Between the Laps, the podcast for smug metropolitan comedy fans who want to not only watch a sitcom, but then also listen to three Brits talk about it for 35 minutes. I'm Rob Cowan, and I'm joined this week by Paul Brunger in Manchester and Mike Techman in Brighton. Say hello to the people. Hello Hello to the people. So, if you've listened before, you'll know that every episode, one of us picks some comedy, we all watch it, and then we chat about it, and you listen to it until you get bored. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll get on with that in a moment. Meanwhile, what's been going on in the world of comedy this week? Oh, it's been a it's been a, a tragic a tragic week for people who don't like thinking about anything uh, and are fucking idiots. Brexit's uh, it's been cancelled. Uh, <laughs> almost um, the Brexit of comedy. Big Bang Theory has been cancelled. <laughs> uh, oh well. Um, Presumably, the fact the show was based on like an outdated '80s concept of a nerd uh, and a really misogynistic concept of that about uh, where at least t- three out of four of the characters are literal sex pests, um, and all that they have instead of jokes is just science words or references to comics, bu- comic books. It is. Uh, it, it wasn't cancelled for any of those reasons. It was just cancelled because it gone on too long. Um, is it, isn't uh, isn't the lead character? Isn't the actor forty five? Uh, Jim Parsons. Yeah, I believe he's in his mid forties. Yes, I mean, I, I mean, you know, his character's not funny, but he does have lovely skin. I'm not going to dispute that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's uh, possibly the best skin of of, of any comedian. <laughs> We'll save Ooh, this for the, yeah. for the episode when we discuss comedian, <laughs> comedian skins. Best, best uh, skins. If you've got a favourite skin, do tweet in. But yeah, it's uh, it's gone. The Big Bang Theory, no more. No, so people who just want to hear someone say uh, a science word and then have a laugh track lose their shit uh, are going to have to punch themselves in the face and have a really stern talking to themselves in the mirror. I, I sense that you feel very strongly about this, Mike. Have, have you perchance been made to watch a lot of this? Oh, well, sort of. And um, so when I was uh, when I was a science teacher, um, it was the common. It was the the the, the bad PR that uh, Big Bang Theory did for men in science is almost irreparable because kids would <laughs> just be continually like, "Oh, sir, do you like the Big Bang Theory? You like science?" And I'm like, "Yes, I do like science." And no, I do not watch the Big Bang Theory for that very reason. Yeah. I don't want to sit there and have someone gabble on about Schrodinger's cat or whatever in a chat about the best way to cook baked beans or whatever it is they do in there in uh, probably probably more likely about the best way to trick women into sleeping with them judging by the rampant misogyny in the show um I don't want to I don't want to do that I don't want to I don't want to watch that like I I know science and I know jokes and uh the two things are not the same thing the answer to a science question is, is never is funny. There a, is there a good? Is there a good science comedy? There must be a good science comedy. Ooh. Uh, so there's a few shows that do nerdy characters well. I would say. Um, so the show we're talking about today, uh, which we'll get into a bit later, I think Ben Wyatt's character is a very good nerd. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I think the IT crowd does it in a much better way because they're not. They're not both weird autistic people they're like one's kind of like the weird sort of like alpha nerd stereotype and the other one's kind of like the nerdy slacker 
stereotype. So it's just, there's a little bit more <laughs> diversity there. Um, Rick and Morty, I'd say, uh, Ooh, does, yeah. does a pretty yeah. good job. Um, yeah, that is that is actually quite good. There's, yeah, there's there's it doesn't over. I think there's a diff, I think there's a key difference between underplaying something so some science gets mentioned or referred to in in a way that is not the whole joke uh, and yes. a way that is just listing. Um, oh well, that's not what Heisenberger says. Yeah, exactly. I think that if you if you watch, there's a you can on YouTube you can watch the Big Bang Theory with the laugh track out, edited out, and it's fucking tragic, man. Yeah, it's, I, mean, uh, that's the, I mean that's the that's the biggest crime of the Big Bang Theory, of course, that it doesn't really have any uh, jokes. It's not. No. It's not funny. It's not. It, it's not. I'm not funny. saying that. In the sense that <laughs> I'm not saying that from a, from a smug kind of. Oh, it's a different kind of. It, they literally. They're not jokes. You, no. you look at them. There's no. There's none of the things a joke needs. It's just them saying things. Yeah. Saying nerdy. It, what they think are nerdy things, and then playing a laugh track. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting because I kind of didn't necessarily or wouldn't until the last couple of years necessarily expected this strong reaction to it so i i never really watched this um myself on its own terms but uh my my wife's a fan she watches it a lot there are, there are not many programs that i leave leave the room because they're on i think it's pretty much this and grand designs and when she I used love to grand watch designs. Uh, oh, i love grand designs no 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 you don't no you're wrong no, grand, grand, Desi- grand Designs is full of trying to make you feel sorry for someone whose piece of curved glass co- that costs half a million quid and they can't have it. And yeah, there's a reason you can't have it. It's because it's a ridiculous thing to watch in your house. <laughs> it is always funny because they're like, I'm a retired teacher and I've got five million pounds to spend on putting this up. Um, I think the thing that really bugs me about it is that... Grand Designs or the Big Bang Theory? No, I love Grand Designs. The Big Bang Theory. The, the thing that really bugs me about it is that it is... It's not... Uh, it kind of gets occasionally labelled as this kind of geek chic revival of the nerd, like nerds are cool thing. Uh, like, But the audience aren't laughing with the nerds. They're laughing at them. And it's like, huh, isn't it funny that some men aren't into sports or whatever? Um, and there's a lot of like very misogynistic and quite a, uh, jokes that they get away with because it's like, oh, it's ironic because, you know, they're saying all this stuff about going and trying to get women drunk so they can shag them, but they're nerds, so they're probably not going yeah, to do they're, that because they're, they're, they're too nerdy. Men, so it's probably fine. <laughs> they're clever, <laughs> yeah, so they, yeah, exactly. they, they can't have the wrong view about what to do about that. I, I just <laughs> genuinely thought that everyone... Kind of when I, I think when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, maybe this is going to be something quite culty because a lot of people won't be into it because it's supposedly clever. Uh, and then I realised it wasn't that. It was something that was enormously popular on sort of a, a friend's level of ubiquity. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, then definitely. I thought, well, because it's that popular, I must be the only one that watches this and goes, oh, I don't really see what the fuss is about. And I, I probably haven't watched enough of it to sort of see really the, the darker side of it other than the fact yeah. that none of it really makes me sort of laugh in this huge I, I think there are people that watch it who you know just think oh that's I'm I'm like that I'm I'm that sort of thing and, and they, who, who do sort of relate to it in the extent that, that yeah. that's kind of their view themselves but so I don't think it's all people who want to sort of yeah, I think it's for people who are crying out for something that's a bit like them. But I also think yeah. that doesn't just because it's a thing that's a bit like you, um, it needs to also kind of <coughs> stand on its own two feet. Like, yeah, if they, yeah. If they did a if they did a 
a comedy about being someone who who works in the you know, field of Silicon of Valley. That's another good or, show about nerds. Yeah, if, yes. if, just because it's your job. So you know exactly if they did, if they did a, a comedy about teaching. Um, teachers, Rob. yeah, it's probably about teachers. It would. It's not enough for it to be. Well, this is about teachers. Therefore, oh, I'm a teacher. That's great. I'm surely you would then want it to stand on its own two feet. That's a good yeah. example, actually, because because there have been a lot of attempts at comedies about teachers. Schools yeah. and teaching are one of those things where everyone, because everyone's been in that situation, yeah, yeah, or yeah. being from the other side, they feel like uh, they can write from that perspective. But it's very rarely been done well. The only good example, I think, is teachers. Yeah, definitely. Uh, even that went a bit wayward to the, towards the end but it, um, Ele- elements because- of the in-betweeners uh, Greg Davies character in the in-betweeners I do enjoy yeah yes, yeah. Well, he was a teacher wasn't he he yeah, was a, he but was also a drama the whole teacher. thing is from the perspective of the students again yes yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's not a teacher's comedy I think um, yeah I think that's right and I think that I think the last thing that I'll say that annoys me about the Big Bang Theory. I can't promise that, but it probably is going to be the last thing I say about it because <laughs> uh, we do have an, a great show to talk about. But um, the it's this kind of you thing you see in quite a few comedies these days where, and you see it in the later seasons of Family Guy and the later seasons of Simpsons where things talk tail off, is that they replace the need for a joke to with a cultural reference so it's like huh i get that reference rather than it being oh that's very funny and very clever so i think because they made a big thing out of having all these uh having scientists help them write it so that all the science is right um did they ask any comedians to help them write it so the jokes are good (laughs) oh they're gonna need some ice for that sick burn yeah it's it's sad um but you know it's uh it's gone and it's uh and it's, I mean, young Sheldon, I think, is still a thing. But, you know. The actor that plays him is 84. <laughs> oh, it's even yeah. funnier because he's a child. <laughs> <laughs> were, were the four characters distinct at all, other than, other than they, one of them is short? So there's one, the short one's one. One's Asian and one's the famous one. Oh, one wears glasses, that's his thing. Is, yeah. it, is, is it more than that? So or? There's, there's the glasses one who's obsessed with the neighbour. Um, What's he called? Leonard. So Leonard is the one who pesters the uh, woman opposite until she eventually wears down and decides to go out with him. Uh, Penny. Penny, that's right. Uh, Sheldon is the kind of, um, I think the one that's on the spectrum that's like even cleverer than everybody else and kind of a bit of a Spock type character uh, doesn't doesn't know how to talk to people but then yeah, he has he he is a different I'll give, I'll give you that he has slightly different character traits to the other ones there do, is do, 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 do the other two astronaut uh, one and other and one owns a dog are they yes are they different so to the other ones the little Jewish one is Jewish and he is um, a rampant sex pest uh, that you know finds out where the that, America's next top model is and with a spy satellite and stuff like that. Is that um, where they fire him into space? Uh, that is a different time. They do fire okay. him into space later on, though. Uh, but not because of that. Raj is the Indian one who can't talk to women unless he's drunk, at which point he becomes very creepy. Um, and that is <laughs> that is the four of them. So we'd like to hear what you think of the Big Bang Theory. Get in touch with us on social media, Twitter at Between Laughs, Instagram at Between Laughs, Facebook.com slash Between 
the laughs or emails at between the laughs you can also leave us you can also leave us a review on itunes i'll read it out so leave us you know like a five star review that would be lovely minimum minimum five i i would i would like to hear an impassioned defense of the big bang theory by someone who i'm not married to ideally yeah i would like to hear that as well Maybe you could even maybe you could get in touch with us and let us know which other comedies you think should die, uh, cruel, early deaths. Or what, what's gone on? What, what's on gone on too death? long? Because I, I, I guess the problem is with Big Bang Theory and Mrs. Brown's Boys is, uh, you know, Mike would happily strangle them both uh, as they exited the womb. Whereas, oh, yeah, there's probably other stuff that's just gone on too long and gotten tired, like uh, your your sort of Frasier post Daphne marriage era. I mean, they, I mean, we don't want to, without treading on the, on the Guardian's toes too much here, because they do an excellent uh, series of articles called uh, When Good Comedy Went Bad, which kind of pinpoints the moments when um, when comedy, for want of a better phrase, jumped the shark. Um, I guess for Happy Days, it was lit- literally when <laughs> they jumped <Yeah>. a shark. <laughs> I don't know if, like, some of the, some long-running things, Friends maybe, maybe didn't... Uh, wasn't at its best towards the end, but it ended well, and it end, you know it didn't feel like it went on longer than it needed to. Uh, Seinfeld didn't end well, but could have continued in that same vein for another ten years, quite happily, probably. Yeah, uh, Simpsons. Someone needs to euthanize the Simpsons. Oh, they're, yeah, Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, Simpsons yeah, yeah. Post, uh, they're danger to themselves and to everyone around 1999. them. Yeah. yeah. They're very yeah. much just here. Here's a person you recognise. Look, it's Professor Frink. Remember when he was good? He loved Professor Frink, right? Here he is. Now you can remember things he said five series ago. Yeah. And here's a celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the Simpsons. It's, it's it's sad. It's those are the sad ones. You know when you. Yeah. I don't care about Big Bang Theory. I don't care that it's on TV. I just don't watch it. If people don't talk to me about it, I'm perfectly happy. Um, but something like The Simpsons where you, you know, a you've got an emotional there. attachment to that because it was incredibly good for quite a long time. Oh, amazing. And then yeah. all right for quite a while and then just bad and an and just, ongoing and just basis. just the challenge of explaining to people from younger generations, no, no, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always just been this irrelevance. It has been good. Um, yeah. Trying to kind of get that across is is just embarrassing that you have to defend it because you're you know oh, you've made a simpsons reference ah but it was old simpsons it's fine it's fine it's okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic one that classic one that went on too too long is uh, only fools and horses because they had their finish they had their big finish watched by millions of people on christmas day they got rich finally oh uh, yeah i love that episode. was the end and then they thought oh no you know what we'll bring it back did Am I imagining it, or did they do one where they came back and yeah, the uncle was lost dead? Sorry, did, did they come back and some of the characters were dead? Well, un- Uncle was, Albert had died. Yeah, yeah, and that that was so it was, that, ju- it was just was that, two. Was of that them. the comeback after? After they were rich, after, they came back, and there was yeah, sort of after they were rich, they came back because this is what the nation well, wanted to well, see. The actor, I think, I think the actor maybe had died in the meantime. All right, uh, okay. So, that, so they'd, they'd, they'd had to kill him off. Um, but that, I mean, that was. Re- just, I think they just did two or three really weird, irrelevant episodes that probably did tarnish the reputation of the of the well-received finale. Yeah. Mm. I th- oh, another another similar one that just unnecessarily extending something and getting it really dark. I, based on its cast, I thought the Dad's Army movie, the remake, would be really good. 
um, and it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 there's, there's some good acting in it in that you go, yes, I can believe that you are an actor acting, someone else acting, Private Godfrey. Uh, you've, you've successfully recreated that feeling, except with an inferior script. Um, and it also, spoilers for anyone who's not seen the remake of Dead Army, it's like, I don't need to see the cast of Dad's Army on a, on a beach under machine gun fire that's unnecessarily bleak. <laughs> when would that have ever happened either? Sorry? Yeah, they were the home front. They were the home front. When would, yeah, why but would a, they sub, ever... a submarine comes to pick up the spy, who's obviously the spy is oh, from the start, whatever. and shoots yeah. at them with a machine gun while they hide behind things. It's genuinely so like, the... I, I don't want to see these beloved characters, that, not even just over the course of this film, but over the course of how many years that Dad's Army's been on, you've, you've grown attached to. Now I'm watching that... them, someone trying to mow them yeah. down. It's awful. That's what whole... I'm not sure of. It was the whole point of Dad's Army, was that they were never going to see combat. Well, the, like, the one time like... they met some, some German. New boat crew. I mean, last time they bought them fish and chips. No one yeah. machine gun anyone. <laughs> That's got. A, oh, speaking speaking of Matt Groening comedies that have gone on too long, can we get an early vote for Disenchantment? I I watched uh, two thirds of the first episode of Disenchantment, and um, I feel that that it had already gone on for thirty three minutes too long at that point. Yeah, but for you listeners, we shall watch more than what two thirds of one episode. Maybe we will. Even we'll do this for you. Two thirds of three episodes. I've, yeah. I've done that. I'm, I'm, I think I'm three episodes in, and I would say they're better than the first episode. <laughs> what do we think about Red Dwarf? Because I, oh, yeah. I'm not sure whether it got bad late or whether it was always bad and I just didn't recognise no, it. No, it was not. It would. This at one point, this was one of my favourite programs. Probably, possibly my favourite program. I and it, it was good, and then it got bad. Um, well, at first it got different. So series six became less funny. More every single week there was a, a monster that we had to do something about. Whereas the first episode, when it was really pared back, and it was just they are bored because they're in space and there is nothing. Um, and they had a very low budget. Yeah, yeah. And, they're, sure and, they're, and they're absolutely brilliant because you've just got them in this. It's like the whole sitcom thing. You want to keep people trapped in the situation. What you don't want yeah. to do is is expand it to a film of machine gun on a beach. You, you keep them trapped in the situation, and that was yeah. great. And then, and then it got a little bit monster of the week, and then they got rid of Rimmer, who was arguably the best character in the whole thing. Oh really? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. He left and was replaced by um, Lister's girlfriend from a parallel universe, Christine. Could- yeah, Christine Gachansky. who had stopped being Scottish since she died in the oh, original yeah. universe, which was odd. Um, and then, and then there were the the odd good moments. Um, and then there was it, it almost it built up some of the credibility again. So it had a, it had some genuinely good episodes. One of which obviously featured Kevin Eldon. Um, but then there was one with Johnny Vegas in that was particularly dreadful in the most recent series. Mm. And you kind of think, oh, you haven't recaptured this. You've it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, one example of a comedy that perhaps did go on one season too long is actually the subject of today's uh, discussion. Mike, which comedy did you choose? Right. So uh, having spent a couple of weeks uh, going into some quite dark places with some quite sad comedies, uh, I picked what is my comedy comfort blanket um i absolutely uh, which is parks and recreation uh i absolutely adore this show it's um it's what i it's what i watch if i'm feeling sad or bored or whatever i've seen it all the way through a couple of times now um and what it is uh for those of you who don't know is it is about uh a parks and recreation department uh in pawnee indiana 
um, following a kind of quite low level uh, civil servant, Leslie Nope, who's like the deputy parts director at the start. Um, and her kind of, it follows kind of her political aspirations and her um, aspirations of making Pawnee a better place to live in the face of uh, widespread, widespread uh, apathy towards the government and the town uh, and their own bodies so it's uh it's, it's very it's very charming it's got uh amy polar as um uh, leslie nope it's got uh aziz ansari as tom haverford chris pratt um as andy dwyer nick offerman of course is ron swanson um he's and got it's made a- stars of other people as well um, oh yeah april's actor what's she called uh audrey plaza audrey plaza yeah um, you've got uh, Aubrey. I mean, Aubrey, I, I, yeah. would say, I would say it was the first thing I saw all of those people in. Um, I, yeah. I think it's been the, the sort of vehicle to make all of them, certainly in the UK. Absolutely. Oh, oh yes, for sure. But but uh, some of them were famous from Saturday Night Live. They were they were existing yeah. comedians who were, who were brought yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but kind of a super to, team. But yeah, for me, yeah. I hadn't I didn't know any of them beforehand. And, and, and think, as a result of seeing them in this, I've gone out of, out of my way to seek out yeah. other things. Oh yeah, absolutely. For better and or worse. I, and I think it's just like a really great example of a kind of ensemble comedy where um, the the whole cast develop over time. Very few new characters are, de- are, uh, are brought in. Um, you know, you've got kind of uh, in maybe the third season you get. Um, Chris and Ben, who are played by Rob Lowe and Adam Scott. Adam Scott, that's right, um, who come to kind of uh, cut Pawnee's budget, basically, because Pawnee's kind of uh, running a massive deficit. But yeah, it's. I think it's got, it's got a really, really strong cast. And I think that um, you see, as the seasons go on, rather than they... they have this really great cast where they can um, they can like sort of expand their uh, writing to be about the development of the other characters, the kind of auxiliary characters. Because Leslie doesn't actually develop that much as a person during the whole show. Uh, she still a ma- bit of a development between season one and then onwards. So yes, yes, I agree. Season one is interesting, and having just had this conversation about kind of sitcoms going bad, it's interesting because I think. Um, I think Parks and Recreation is a, is a sitcom that started off good, all right? Yeah. The first season was good, but it was not flying on, on all cylinders, whatever the phrase would be. So, flying without wings? Flying on all cylinders? That's the one. <laughs> they recognised that, uh, that that Leslie, I think she was rather naive in the first season. Yeah. She, she didn't have the cutting edge that she needed later on to interact with the people around her, to, to understand how Ron works. Um, whereas... Yeah, later on she get she certainly gets better, and they also recognise things like like Mark Brandanovich as a, yeah. a character. Never really, I can't quite put my finger on why, but as a character, he just never really fitted, never really made sense. And they got rid of him and, and effectively replaced him with, with Ben, um, with, with Ben and um, and Chris, yeah, and Chris, who really make it for me. Like Rob oh, Lowe's yeah. character is just oh phenomenal, so yeah, so funny, such I, a good. And it's it's, it's, it's interesting that. for me to come at it from a slightly different angle to you guys because I am. Um, hated people. it. Let me no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, I remember watching series one when it first came out on BBC Two. Uh, I saw the second series, um, I think, also on BBC, uh, and then I've seen a little bit more than that for the purposes of the homework for this. But it's very much similar to 
Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the episode we did on that. I've come, I'm here at the sort of much earlier on in the journey, so I'm fundamentally about two series in. Uh, and I, I knew after having watched the first series that the Received Wisdom was the first series. Um, some people say it wasn't very good. Some people say it wasn't as good. I really enjoyed the first series, really uh, enjoyed it. I agree that they, they definitely tweak her character to be less of the sort of the stooge uh, and more yeah. of a leader. Um, and then that's the kind of the person you get behind in series two, at least yeah. that's what I've kind of seen so far. Um, agree that kind of Mark Brandonowitz is there as a, as a, as a relationship guy rather than a funny guy. So she's obviously got the connection with him and kind of the, Aziz Ansari's characters, interactions with him are quite funny as well. Um, yeah. but he, he's there as the straight man sort of thing. Um, yeah. But, but it's funny you think, Mike, in terms of being an ensemble cast, because that—that's the that, I think that's the most outstanding thing about it is yeah. everyone everyone is distinct and every again yeah. comparing it back to Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where I literally can't tell the three guys apart for the first series. Um, yeah. Everyone has the even the guys who you know are very much uh, secondary or tertiary characters, kind of Jerry um, yes. and 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 those guys who who do just. And because uh, I kind of think I can't one of the problems to tell, when uh, you... Jerry, Larry, and Gary apart, to be honest. <laughs> Joke for the uh, people in the late seasons. Joke for the They're triplets. They're not triplets. They're not triplets. <laughs> They're all Jerry. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that. Um, <laughs> but I, and the way the way that they've all got great things like when they're doing the when they're doing the different designs of the mural. Um, yes, and Jerry's that. part in that I just love is brilliant mm. and uh, but uh, and they're all sort of very separate all very distinct and it doesn't fall into the trap that a lot of sitcoms with an ensemble cast does and especially when you bring in extra people like you've just talked about so normally and this is one of the criticisms of later season Friends is you have to have something for everyone to do um, yeah. well, a friend of mine's theory is that the point where Friends jumps the shark is where they need a storyline for Joey so he finds his identical hand twin uh, and that's kind of the peak of <laughs> there's you know I don't have anything for you this week said the writer's room quick yeah, stick exactly. a sort of a story on the side whereas they do manage to keep it pretty organic and and yes there'll be you know one week there'll be a huge focus on the relationship between Andy and Ron when Andy's running his shoe shine stall and, yes. and stuff like that but they never they never seem to fall into the trap of oh god we need to find 10 funny things for for jerry to do um, yeah it comes really you know, they're, they're happy the to play down you know um different people's parts which i think so as an ensemble i think it works incredibly yeah. well on that basis and without falling into the traps there's something faintly ridiculous uh, that's quite often acknowledged about the fact that at least two of the the regular characters in the parks department do not work in the parks department have no reason to be there but are in the meetings and they often yeah. reference the fact um but it's done but i think i think it gets away with with all sorts of things like that because it is just who, so utterly lovely who, it's just yeah. a really who, who is that? nice is that bit of so and someone else no brandonowitz brandonowitz he's he doesn't work in the park department he works in the building at least but yeah. Anne and um oh yeah and then andy uh, andy yeah, yeah, nurse at a hospital. Yeah. Uh, Andy, it kind of gets shoehorned into the into the corridor outside as the shoe shine. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. nobody has any business being there. 
Uh, it's, it's so lovely. I, I would say it's interesting you mentioned It's Always Sunny because I, I feel like it's almost the antithesis of that. It's uh, every character in uh, Always Sunny is essentially horrible. Every character in, in this is nice, I think, except that dentist is yeah, on the city Jerry, council. Apart from Jeremy yeah. Jam and um, the guy uh, played by the guy from Cheers, um, that is John Ralphio's dad. Oh yes, uh, John Ralphio. He's a prick. There's, there's your bad man. Oh, there's John Ralphio. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's not. And he's, his, he's just and his sort sister of... Mona Lisa. She's a dick. So they're, they're family. The John Ralphio family. <laughs> Savastine. John Ralphio Savastine. That's his surname. Doctor Savastine. Yeah. I mean, Doctor Savastine screws yeah, over Renter Swag. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just like I love uh, all the characters are really they really organically kind of. Uh, all of their all of their kind of plot lines really come organically come out of who they are and it doesn't the characters are all as we sort of said very distinct and kind of lovable in their own unique ways but it doesn't feel like they've been like oh he's the stoner one and this is the grumpy one do you know what I mean they're kind of yeah their their characters are deeper than that um, and I think that particularly people like Ron, who in the first season is just a very kind of uh, pretty one-dimensional. Likes, likes bacon, which is kind of yeah. like a guaranteed laugh in, in certain quarters of the internet. Very safe approach. To- yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he sort of really develops as, as you go through. Um, I mean, the one thing I do find, there's a couple of things about Parks and Rec. One thing I do find is as Ron develops, and particularly when you see him in the seventh season, when he's just... You, you find out for one that he's got you know loads and loads of gold and then you find yeah. out that he's this amazing craftsman and then he starts a success, successful building company just in a flash and you're like why were you working in the parks department again and so 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 the writer <laughs> of parks and rec michael sure he's he was uh he was asked about why everybody's so nice, why it's not mean-spirited. He says, I've never liked mean-spirited comedy. The characters in our show make fun of each other, but not in a biting, angry way. And there's no shortage of conflict in the world of government. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I couldn't agree I mean, more. The worst think... you could say of it is that, is that there's some solid workplace bullying around uh, Jerry, around Jerry, Jerry yeah. and Larry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jerry does get it pretty rough. Uh, I, mean, I mean, to be fair, even, even when they're being horrible to him, you can't help but kind of agreed like when they, when Rob Lowe and co first come in and go like well what would you cut around here <laughs> then the audience is probably half a step ahead going Jerry isn't it that's Jerry, what you get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I think as well he gets the redeeming quality of having like this gorgeous wife and three amazing children yes. uh, that everybody's completely yeah. befuddled by um, <laughs> but I, and the other thing I think when we when you talk about uh, Brandanowitz what was great about when they brought Ben in as the sort of romantic foil is that he's funny as well. It's not like there's a, he has his own sort of funny stuff that he does. Like his, his, they say a very gentle yeah. around him with his, his board game that he's invented. And things. yeah. And, uh, the and the calzones, of cones of Dunshire and his, his obsession yeah. with calzones that everybody seems really angry about. And the fact that, <laughs> you know, he can't understand why everybody likes the little horse so much and that sort of thing. Just really, yeah, you get these really lovely through lines and it means that you get, um, you really get a sense of the characters being your mates. You kind of sit there and you're like, Oh, I'm hanging out with my, my parks mates. The other thing I really love about it is the fact that you can work out 
where you are in Chris Pratt's career by yeah. how chubby he is. Weight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He goes from kind of being a bit doughy at the start and, you know, like kind of a bit of a, a bit of a doofus. And then uh, suddenly after the episode when they're in London, he is super cut and stays that way for the rest of the, the, rest of the show. Um, but yeah, I think I think for me it's such a it's such a lovely show and it's so heartwarming. I just the last season is a little bit like let's put a bookend on it. So uh, without giving any spoilers, basically what happens is it's set in it's set in the future. Um, not like it's not like twenty one hundred. Yeah, like <laughs> it's just set, a few years in the future. Yeah, it's set like a few years in the future, um, and they've all kind of moved on to different things, um, and the old band ends up getting back together for one last show, kind of thing. Um, yeah, and it even with that description, it's going to sound terrible, but actually, it, it you it's, know they it's pull it off. It's still good. It's still enjoyable. It's yeah. really good. Um, it feels a little bit less organic than the previous stuff, but I suppose the, the previous you know seasons have all been building on each other. Uh, following a through line that kind of doesn't have any huge jumps in it. Whereas this one, it kind of, you, you cut in and it's a bit, it feels a little bit jarring, but it does, it does the sort of, it does a very fan servicey ending where they tell you what happens to all the characters basically, which I quite like because mm-hmm. I like to know that they're okay. <laughs> I, I really hope they did it in the, in the style of a, uh of a 90s movie where it just comes up over a still photograph at the end and says, Jerry served three years in Sing Sing for assault. Uh, it's not far <laughs> off. That's my, like that's they... my favourite way of knowing how people have done sins. And someone has always those. died or gone yeah. to prison and I'm, yeah. I will always enjoy that. You've obviously got a, a liberal uh, writing team, a liberal a liberal cast uh, setting, a, setting a comedy in small town America in which it does it does mock kind of small town views and small t- and and kind of the idiocy of the electorate in the in the city meetings and stuff like that, but yet still doesn't feel hateful. And obviously, the the counter argument to everything is always provided by Ron. Um, yeah, and yeah. yet Ron and Leslie, despite being utterly poles apart politically, you know she is she is a big government liberal and he is a no government libertarian. They. They they are really good friends and they depend on each other and their philosophical differences uh, kind of fall to one side beyond you know and their friendship takes over. Yeah, no wonder it finished in two thousand fifteen. <laughs> yeah, nice. Interesting yeah. fact, by the way, about about uh, Parks and Rec. It was originally intended as a spin-off from The, the office. office. Yeah. Well, that's because that was. I found that interesting because one of the other things I wanted to talk about is how I really enjoy the the documentary style filming of it and I hadn't realised when I first watched it before we did the homework for this that um, one of the key people involved uh, Greg Daniels was one of the people who rebooted the office for the US because that's yeah. the kind of closest thing it is and I, I just remember one of my most enjoyable moments of the early series being a bit where they're about to go on stage and, and sort of talk to the residents and so they're doing the big the big chat, um, yes, and then Leslie, yes. Leslie goes, "I'm going to do it. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do it." And she goes through the door, and it's locked. And she turns to the camera that previously she's completely ignored, uh, pulls her face, and goes, "It's locked." <laughs> and that really cracked me up. <laughs> and it just, I like the fact that, that again, it does the documentary thing in not just a fly in the wall, but that, you know there is a camera there, and they do yeah. their little asides to camera where she talks about, you know, and it, it kind of lets them 
talk in what they think is quite a confessional way and it just shows you kind of what their character is like so yeah. you kind of get a lot of naive Leslie moments where she just sort of gets over enthusiastic <laughs> about things and Tom um, does Andy his little... and Amy especially do lots of good looks to camera and oh, Tom yeah, Haverford does yeah, as well fantastic uh, Aziz does as well he does some great little uh, open mouth like smiles and stuff. <laughs> yeah and yeah. again he does his asides where he's picking himself up to be you know, the kind of the person that he and John Ralphio see themselves to be, and then yeah. you see him wearing a wearing the raccoon hat outside. <laughs> Clearly, he's not that person. And so, I right. really like the the way that they've done the uh, the documentary piece. Yeah. It makes me giggle. It seems to have been made in a very kind of uh, in a way that's given the actors a lot of autonomy autonomy to kind of uh, build out their characters. Um, it seems like the they they really take ownership of those characters and you sort of you they they put a lot of themselves into it you know if you sort of see an interview with Chris Pratt or Aubrey Plaza or um, even Adam Scott there's a lot of their their parts of rep characters in their own personality which I think it's really uh, it's really kind of nice that it sort of makes it all feel. <laughs> like a bunch of mates. Uh, one of my favourite jokes from the whole of the the, the show uh, was a line that Chris Pratt improvised. Um, and it's when Leslie's got the flu um, and she, uh, Chris Pratt is at a computer and he's like, Leslie, I typed your symptoms into the computer and it said you've got network connectivity problems. <laughs> Just brilliant. <laughs> When when the when Parks and Rec was being pulled together, it was being kind of written around the idea of the actors who were going to be in it. So I can I think that it makes sense that there's a there's an element of the the actors in the characters, and they that's especially true of April um, because I think they they the casting director just stumbled upon Aubrey Plaza. And she, and to, and she's quoted oh, yeah, as saying, really was "I just met, yeah. I just met the weirdest girl I've ever met in my life. You have to meet her and put her on your show." So they wrote the character of April Ludgate after that. Yeah, I forgot that she literally wasn't. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> yeah, no, I enjoy it. I, I think there's, there's something around kind of the warmth through it all as well. Like I am again going back to the idea that I split friends audiences into people that give a toss about Ross and Rachel getting together and people like me who definitely don't. Um, and but even I sort of enjoyed the sort of the season two, I think it is arc of of Andy and April, uh, yeah. sort of growing affections and things like that. And I was like, you know, I wouldn't say I necessarily give a toss, but it was nice. <laughs> Who's your favourite character then of the ensemble? Oh, that's such I a think tough Andy. one, Andy. But actually, you're saying maybe, Andy? maybe April. Oh, I do. I do think April's amazing I think I'm going to have to go with Ron yeah. it's interesting because I, I thought Ron comes out the gate very strongly but as you said early on he is relatively one dimensional but you are going to get a laugh by sort of talking about shrimp wrap bacon and stuff like that as being <laughs> your first and third favourite foods um, so I think he comes out the gate really strongly I, I probably think uh, Leslie yeah, um, she is, is probably my favourite uh, so far but obviously I'm at the start of the journey. Yeah. Ron really comes into his own once you find out that in secret he's a jazz musician 
Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> who plays by the name the Duke Silver. <laughs> I'm also inclined to inclined to give a special shout for Chris as well because I just think, yeah, he is good. Yeah, he's not in it. He's not. He doesn't have big scenes. He's not in it for that long. He, he leaves before the season finish, series finishes. But every scene he's in, he kind of he owns by just being this ridiculous man. Yeah. Uh, the same is true of John Ralphio, of course, but in a very different <laughs> yeah. way. Which, which I, ones? Oh, I do hate John Ralphio. Where they go to a party. Oh, I, oh. <laughs> he he does make me laugh though. <laughs> I, uh, which one? Which one's, which one's Chris then? Chris is the health conscious one. Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe. the West Wing. Oh yeah, okay. I, I enjoy his character as well, being the one who comes in, and clearly there's going to be some conflict generated by them cutting the budget. Uh, but he very much comes in and he's really nice and then leaves his helper <laughs> to do all of the damage. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think my uh, I think my favourite character might well be Lil Sebastian. Yeah, of course. Bye, Which bye, bye Lil Sebastian. This is, this is the other thing I was just going to say, was uh, the music throughout Parks and Recreation, mainly provided by Chris Pratt, yeah. uh, is is so catchy. I There, there are multiple serious earworms that you get left yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. The biggest one of which, of course, is Bye Bye Little Sebastian. Hey, rest in peace. Uh, what's that? That song's called like 10,000 Candles in the Wind or something, isn't it? Yeah, because it, he wanted to make 10,000 times better than Candles in the Wind. And it's got, a, it's got a, a saxophone solo from Duke Silver on it. Yes. Parks and Recreation is available in the UK on Amazon Prime and in the US on Netflix. Don't forget to get in touch with us on on Instagram and Twitter at Between Laughs, Facebook.com slash Between the Laughs, or email us at Between the Laughs at gmail.com and let us know what you think of Parks and Recreation. Now, before we go, it is of course time for the World Cup of sitcoms. This week, by some fluke of the draw, uh, it is uh, two clever Norse American comedies facing each other. One of them is Parks and Recreation, and the other one is Arrest Development. Only one of them can make it through to the Second round. Who will it be, Paul? I've got a feeling I know what Mike's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, you see, if only, if only. So I started to rewatch um, the remixed season four, remembering that I had started season four with with a friend who's a massive. She's a massive Arrested Development fan. Uh, we watched the first sort of chunk of those together, and kind of faded out of it a little bit uh, and then I went back to the remix and thought oh was I just unfair or not giving it enough time at the time and if anything came away hating it more mm-hmm. um, the first two series absolutely brilliant the third series good but it, it is a game of two halves and I think the the greatest contribution of the season four which is as far as I've seen um, it's a bit like when Gary Lineker shat his pants on the pitch. So <laughs> it's exactly like that. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> so on that basis, um, I, I've, I've, I've seen two good series of each, um, but to my knowledge, no one in Parks and Recreation has shat themselves, so I'm going to go with them. Okay, uh, Mike? Well, uh, fairly obviously, I'm going for Parks and Recreation. Um, I really like... Uh, I really like the first three series of uh, Arrested Development. I think it's really clever and I think it's really funny. Um, but, you know, they they really jump the shark in a big way. Um, and, see, uh, and, you know, Parks and Recreation will sustain you for seven seasons of absolute utter joy, uh, whereas Arrested Development will give you three seasons of good cringe laughs. Um, 
and it's just no competition I love I love us a joy it's my favourite thing uh, so yeah so it's it's 2-0 to uh, Parks and Recreation I'm amazed that none of us actually mentioned Arrested Development at the beginning as, as a, an example of a series that uh, has gone on too long <laughs> yeah. and, although I don't think the problem with it is that it's gone on too long I think it's gone on too I think shit. something has been something it's has lost on I mean, Marouane Fellaini and then shat itself well, the, <laughs> exactly the problem <laughs> the problem with uh, the problem with season four was it was it was the cast weren't all in the same place at the same time so they had to they had to write a, a script that could allow all these this cast who in the meantime had become world famous movie stars and and uh, shoot them separately and tie together a series I actually think season four is not as bad as people make out especially if you watch it twice because there are some jokes that you can only get on the second viewing which is Either clever oh, or, a, or the, a bit redundant. The classic mark of a a great yeah. joke, a joke that you have to hear twice <laughs> over the over the course of like a twenty episode series. <laughs> this will be so funny when you rewatch it. You wait. <laughs> what I mean is that there are so the the whole fake block story is actually signposted earlier on through the music that you can hear in the earlier episodes of that series. Um, but. But yeah, I don't. I don't think that the original season four is that bad. I think the remix made it worse, and that's tarnished my memory of it. The new season five, only part of which is available on Netflix for some unfathomable, unfathomable reason. They've only released the first eight episodes or something uh, for now. Um, starts off in the same confusing vein that season four ended. But then if you stick with it, if you wait until about episode three, it, it's it's pretty good. But then I think I think that that's the most upsetting thing about 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 Arrested Development is that you then just flick back and you watch any random episode from season one to season three and you remember how good it could have been. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the upsetting thing. Now, as to who gets my goal in this pointless uh, exercise when when. Rest, uh, Parks and Recreation is <laughs> already by our usual standards. <laughs> um, I Arrested Development. I will still sometimes just flick to a random episode on Netflix from from seasons one to three, and watch it, and find it brilliant, not knowing any of the context that's sitting around it. My head is saying Parks and Recreation. My heart is saying Arrested Development because I do think mm, it's yeah, just I can, so I can see good. the argument. I do that those first three seasons are so well written. I'm not sure, and I'm including Parks and Recreation in this, I'm not sure there are any comedies, in my opinion, that have been as well scripted as Arrested Development. In terms of jokes or in terms of how it all weaves together in the bigger... Jokes, in terms of, in terms of, the, really? in terms of the jokes. Ooh. I might have to go the, back the and, and watch it is, and then very and write, a, write a letter of apology to Ron Howard, conditional on him writing an apology to me for the fact <laughs> that I'd like to listen to him talk incessantly throughout the remix series four, now with added yeah. Ron Howard. And then, yeah, and then he appears as a character. Yeah, so so I will, I, I, just because it's already it's already 2-0 up, if it was a, if it was a closer game, I would, I would maybe have, have, uh, have leaned towards Parks and Recreation, but I'm going to give a consolation goal to Arrested Development because I don't think it would be fair to, for it to go out 3-0 uh, when it is such a brilliant show. No, so, yeah, uh, I, I, it's, it, it was 2-1. That's football. 
or it's whatever this is. To, to Parks and yeah. Recreation. Parks and Recreation go through to the second round, but I'd like to see Arrested Development give a good show in the, um, in the, in the repechage <laughs> and hopefully it can still find its way through that path into a playoff final. Are you keeping track of these, Rob? Maybe they'll get not. into Leicester to Montfort through clearance <laughs> or something, I don't know. I've got no idea what's going on with these. There's never going to be a round two. Well, it's been lovely having you join us uh, uh, this evening or this morning or this afternoon or whenever you're choosing to listen to this. Maybe you're breastfeeding in the middle of the night. Uh, we've been uh, Rob, Mike and Paul. Goodbye. Bye. Shalom. Shalom.